wait. You don't sound autistic. Well, uh, what does an autistic person wait. sound like? You're autistic? Yeah, I'm telling you that. You don't even look autistic. But, but we're talking about... Yeah, but, but I don't buy it. But I, I was diagnosed with autism and ADHD and anxiety and depression. You don't sound autistic. Welcome back to another episode of You Don't Sound Autistic. I'm Blake. And I'm Rochelle. And I'm autistic. And I'm not. We like to remind everyone to subscribe to the podcast on your preferred platform so you can be notified of the newest episodes when they're released. Also, make sure to join the Facebook group. Join the group. Join the conversation. The Facebook group, of course, is called You Don't Sound Autistic, YDSA. We also like to welcome listeners from all over the country and all over the world and everyone that's joined the Facebook group in the next uh, in, the, in the last week or so. So thank you so much. And for our new listeners. Um, you Don't Sound Autistic is a mental and emotional health awareness podcast. If this is the first time you're joining us, um, each week we do our best to represent both neuro perspectives and talk about the continual discovery process of life on the spectrum. Our goal is to illuminate, uncover, and transparently discuss life with multi-diagnosis through a multi-generational neurodivergent lens. We follow an open, unscripted, conversational format that represents the real life back and forth of communication and collaboration. Even if you aren't raising the next generation, you'll find the comparison of the age groups helpful in seeing the more hidden patterns in the DNA of your lifestyle and lineage. And also, we have a website now, which is youdon'tsoundautistic.com, which has episode show notes, at least that's what Rochelle's been working on, links to reference materials, and things you can purchase. Yes, any kind of supporting um, tools, uh, I call them brain hugs, whether it's books or um, nutritional, you know, supports, um, <clears throat> anything that kind of fits into the realm of physical, mental, emotional, sensory, and learning. Um, all those resources, we're building our uh, toolbox for you in our brain hugs and our shop on the site. So just collaborating all the information, making it really easy to find the exact resources that we reference, that we've discovered in our journey, that can help you in your journey. So that's all the business. Time to get back to business. <laughs> Uh, today, I wanted to talk about uh, something I've been seeing a lot online, which is basically summed down to the hidden fees of ADHD and autism. Ooh, this is interesting. So the idea being, uh, the especially behind ADHD, the idea of like forgetfulness and impulsiveness, dif mm. dis difficulty with sh social cues for people with autism, and how this is um, sometimes punitive toward people so literally it can be hidden fees as far as you know if you forget to pay a bill oh but it can also be like for me the fact that i don't necessarily have the best social skills to move forward with certain job position you know positions that i might be able to apply for right the financial ramifications of some of the daily life struggles you have yeah so wow. i just wanted to kind of talk about that for a little bit Okay, so when you first started, I thought this was going to be like the pink tax where, you know, you can't just get taken advantage of because you're neurodivergent. But um, it sounds kind of unrelated, actually. It's more like the impact, like the, the all the different places you get dinged one way or another for not having 
you know, that really neurotypical type function. So like you, you probably find yourself trying to buy more products to help you solve problems. That's probably, I mean, that's, it's those types of things. So that's why I wanted to bring it up because I've seen, um, I've seen a bunch of memes and stuff online and I was like, oh, this is interesting. The fact that, um, I hadn't really thought about it too much, but there are, there's so many different things. Like I don't have health insurance, but I can't because I'm not what, um, a level three autistic person or a level two autistic person. Like I don't have enough of a disability disability for you so that i'm not able to get assistance because i think about it all the time that i i'm like man i could really use a maid <laughs> yeah or someone to come in and like rochelle was kind enough to come over and like clean but really it's more like i need someone to to nag me <laughs> <laughs> well and it's a really difficult you need someone you can't just have because we've talked before in several episodes prior about hiring a maid but you know, specifically, you'd have to have a neurodivergent, uh, uh, how do I say it? Like neurodivergent friendly, like you can't, a maid would come in and clean your whole house top to bottom and it would look f amazing and it would freak you out. You know, like if your stuff was moved and you weren't part of the decision making process, then well, my mom would come over and she would be like, oh, and she just puts things where she thinks they go instead of where they go. According, right, where they go for you. Right. Totally different process. And so, like, you know, obviously we've been sick this weekend, so I, I did go over and I was, I was like, okay, you know, let's clean some things. And But I had boundaries because we've lived together and I've done that same thing to you where I've cleaned way too much and, and you've come home and literally melted down on me. Well, not just that you clean, but then you would move things. That's part of cleaning. No, but you would, like, move the couch and the TV and then I'm now I'm facing east instead of facing northeast yeah and that's all true so i've learned to when i when i first came in and cleaned i literally just cleaned like kitchen things where i wasn't necessarily moving things around i was just cleaning countertops and stoves and sinks and whatnot but then when it came to start tackling some of the you know six month eight month piles it was okay look at this eight by eight square foot of counter space let's start making decisions about these things in this space only and I, I I purposefully did not ask you to make more than four or five decisions at a time and if we could just get one little area cleaned up then I'd wait a few hours and then do the next little area because honestly cleaning comes down to decision making you have to decide am I done with this Am I willing to let go of it? How am I going to remember to replace it? Do I still need this? You have to remember the hard part of that is that I need things to be out. I need everything out. Well, here's the, well, let's add the layer. You don't, yes, you need everything out in two categories. You need things out that you need in everyday life and you leave everything out that you haven't made a decision on yet. So you inadvertently combine those two things and the things that you need for daily life are now completely mixed up with the things that you just haven't made a decision on maybe that's maybe that's true so a maid coming in that wasn't familiar with how you process yeah but she could come in and clean the tub well but if you put boundaries like yeah clean this clean the kitchen but don't touch my counters or if you had designated spaces that's you know said so this is off limits because I'm in the middle of decision making over here. 
Your counters are covered with crap too. Mine is purposeful though. So like, is mine. Okay. Well, it's filled with purpose. It's filled with things that half of it hit the trash once we actually looked at it. Well, that was the purpose. Like I have a fruit bowl on my counter. I have my planner on my calendar. I have my box of tissues. I have my photos, my little, um, my little cocoa section. Cocoa. <clears throat> I, you know, I can't think of the words cause my word recall, but the Disney movie Coco, you know, the yeah. day of the dead, the, my, my photos of my, my long family. lost family. Yeah. They sit right there with my salt rock lamp. That's kind of my healing space is on my counter. So oh, the memorial section, that's the word. <laughs> That was really tough. <laughs> You're looking at me like I've got two heads. Well, I mean... <clears throat> I couldn't pull the words. Um, yeah, so... So hidden so hidden fees would be... I mean... Needing a maid, there's a fee. Plus educating her on how she can clean in a way that helps you without hurting you because of how you process the physical things in your life in terms of your daily life responsibilities what do you mean like bills or vitamins or you know just food you're trying to that's a thing like you know i have all these vitamins and i'm like oh, i need to take these and so like last night i took a bunch of vitamins good but that's the thing like my brain's like oh yeah you took all these vitamins you're good now but i'm like no you got to do it every day yeah but that's the the it it's just it's very hard to build into a routine. Well, it's very rigid already. And are you using routines or are you using strategies? Routine. So like I re I now I remember to take my pills every morning that I take because I they're in a specific area. So I go in, I you know like brush my teeth, I take my vitamins or I take my medication, mm -hmm. and then I move on with my life. Why don't you put your vitamins near your? There's just, just not room in the in the same spot. They're separated. But if we could create, it would that solve the problem? Is no, because it's just too much to take at once. I need to take. I need to build in the routine at evening and take my vitamins at night, so I have that morning routine and the evening routine. Okay. Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt. I there's a ton of. Um. You know, you're constantly trying to build in reminders. I mean, I've seen full calendars that people can buy <coughs> to build and establish like a new habit. If you're talking about building that nighttime routine, have you seen those planners? No, they're actually really cool. And it's not necessarily like neurodivergent or neurotypical. It's for anyone because anyone can struggle with building a routine or adding something into a routine. Um, okay. Where, it's kind of written out in a circle, but you have the chance to every single day. It just is like a, I call it like a mental memory or it's a manual memory. Like you're just going to this tool that, that marks off. Okay. Yes, I've done kind of like a checklist, but it's not as lame as a checklist. It's built out for a whole month. I've not seen one of these. What is it called again? Um, there's different, let me see if I can pull up exact words. But there's habit, they're called um, habit planners, I think. Google it. Habit planners. Oh, yeah, that's not the right word. Something about habit, though. Habit trackers, maybe? Yeah, look up habit trackers. Habit roadmap? Um, oh, I think I'm seeing. Habit trackers. Yeah, that's what I type. Or habit calendars. Habit 
tracker. Mm-hmm. I've used these before. Sometimes these can be very, very helpful, especially with your visual. Like, are you your visual? Like, does that help? Well, obviously it is because you want to see everything out. This allows you to condense the physical stuff by creating a visual. Oh, it's something you can buy on Amazon. Yeah. We should add that to the website. Well, I'm gonna. I've used one of these before. I, I've, um, if I've not asked you about this in the past, but it allows you to just write out the things you're creating the habit for instead of having to have everything out on the counter to visually remember you. So then you just train yourself to go to your habit tracker, and then from there work yourself through the list each day. Let's look at this thing. Let's see. And what I like about it is the different color like opportunities that you have. So you're kind of building a piece of artwork at the same time. Like that's that's a little internal motivation for me. I like things to be pretty and symmetrical. And oh, this one's for fitness. Oh, try I'd rather I'd rather be fitness taco in my mouth. <laughs> try try getting to that one. That's the same one that I'm looking at. Oh, why is it for fitness? It says it says it right on the thing. Fitness habit. This one doesn't say fitness. I'm looking. At, yeah, but you gotta click down. Oh, but you could use it for anything you want. All right. Fitness is just the easiest way to sell it because most people need help creating a fitness routine. Mm, interesting. But um, I can tell you that having a cluttered living space does increase um, our irritability. Like it can, I don't, I don't want to say the words create anxiety and depression, but it, it can definitely exacerbate it because Anytime anything is out of place or piled up, our brain looks at it and has to process it and rethink about it every single time we look at it. Or you just have to become completely numb to what you're looking at. And at that point, now you're numb to half of your living space. And so it would make something like a gratitude practice kind of difficult because you wouldn't walk around and go, yeah, I'm grateful I haven't made decisions about that pile yet, you know. So it can be counterproductive to leave everything out and out of its place. It can actually create more of an edgy feeling and make it harder to downregulate out of fight or flight, which is only going to make your whole day feel more stressful. This is going to sound gross, but one of the things I don't like doing is bathing. Not gross, actually, um, and not but atypical. I, but I do it, but I don't do it as often as I probably should. Don't hate me, ladies. <laughs> <laughs> you used to be very regulated about that. Yeah, because I was working out every day. So I would, I, it became part of my workout routine was that I, I didn't want to feel all gross after exercising because I'd be all, I'd get all sweaty. Right. But you sweat all day. How is it different? I don't know. It just feels different. Okay. When you're like dripping wet and your shirt changes colors. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Well, you've mentioned that before and I know that... Um, and I'm very self-conscious about smelling funny. So like if I'm going out or if I'm going to see someone, then I'll, you know, take a shower. Uh-huh. But I could go a couple of days without taking a shower. Well, yeah, I can. I kind of can too, depending on where I'm then going. I get in there and it's uncomfortable. I don't love being wet. I'm like, I like going in the pool. Right. But it, maybe it's just like the raining sensation of a shower. And then my bathtub is too small and the water gets cold fast. So I don't like that. So you've got some sensory challenges with the experience. Yes. That's a fair point. Is it like the experience of being, you're talking about the experience of showering more so than like the, um, like water aversion? Yeah. Like I, I, I think it's, 
like for instance, like I'll get in the shower and the air pressure changes. You know, when you're in the shower and the and the um oh yeah the if if you have like a shower like I do where the curtain kind of you know you don't have a sliding door right you or, can let or an open in. adult yeah like so the air pressure will change when you start when you turn on the water and so like the suction inside the shower pulls the curtain into you and it starts touching you yeah and if you had um you could end up spending a lot of money trying to buy different shower curtain options that solved that problem right which i don't want to spend a bunch of money on shower curtains right but it's it's i've seen people do it okay because of that challenge, that sensory issues with bathing. Another hidden fee, damn it. Right. What other hidden fees did you have in mind? I mean, I, this is oh, a good I, topic I because I, there's a I, lot. I didn't really write any specific ones down. I just wrote, I just thought it sounded like a good topic. I'll tell you, I'll like tell you a, a good, big one. A good name for an episode that we could talk about. No, it's a great one. I, the biggest hidden f- fee in um, neurodivergent living is food. Bills used to be a big one for me, but I've, I've, you know, now I have like auto, they have auto pay for everything. Right. So it makes it a lot easier. And then I, I have like a system that I've built. So I, I just have con- I have reminders and reminders and reminders. Um, but if, if I forget, I mean, there's a very possible chance that I forget and don't pay my rent or something, you know. But they send reminders for that kind of stuff too. Like, hey, don't forget, you need to pay your rent. Yeah, and it's nice. That part's good. But um, sometimes they sometimes they don't for certain bills. Or sometimes you'll sign on for something and then you forget to cancel it. Yeah, that's a big one. Well, and they have programs for that, right? Because um, I can't remember the name of them now, but <clears throat> they have services designed to comb through your bank statements and your credit card statements and help you find reoccurring subscriptions you may not know about and help you cancel them. Do they? Mm-hmm. Oh, I need, to, I need to look into that. Yeah, they do. And I don't remember if it's connected to Credit Karma or if it's something com- um, like a separate service, but that is something that people have learned is a need, not just for... Um, autistic and ADHD individuals. But I mean, how do we know? Because the population of ADHD and autistic individuals is growing exponentially by the year. So, one, and people claim, like, it, it's annoying when people are like, oh, I'm, I'm ADHD. It's sort of like how I used to say I had OCD. Like, you're just clinging to this idea because you feel like it resonates. Right. But you're not necessarily really ADD or ADHD. But can I address that real fast? Sure. Because I learned in a recent, um, um, evaluation review uh, with a client that there are levels of ADHD expression. Now, of course, we know that many individuals are born with it. You're born with ADHD. Your brain's already wired and fired that way, right? That's what I understand. But that's not true for everybody because there's the if you're born with it, it means there are other people in your lineage who weren't born with it but wired and fired it during their lifetime and then you know through the offspring eventually you were born with it okay there are families and generational lines on the planet right now that are still in the wiring and firing phase and then they weren't born with it but they are experiencing adhd as teenagers or adults and the way the doctor explained it was really simple and i and um Beautiful, she said. So beautiful. Well, from a brain, I, if you're obsessed with a brain like I am, then the way she said it was simplistic. And I'm more of a boob guy myself. <laughs> okay, fair <laughs> point. Fair point. 
She said it, to break the the brain's incredibly complex, right? But she broke it down into two primary categories. And the internal part of the brain, the more limbic system, the cerebellum, your lizard brain, that reptilian, that fight or flight where your right. amygdala and everything kind of works together. She says that's the alarm system of the brain, which we know, right? That's what identifies threat and reacts to threat. And so it's only supposed to be on when there's an active threat and then it turns back off and you're in rest and digest. Well, all of that happens in that part of the brain. The crust, the outer part of the brain, is where we do all of our cognitive thinking. Um, anxiety and depression affects the internal parts of the brain, um, the thalamus, and I can't remember the name of it. I'm going to screw it up, but um, cerebellum, the thalamus, all of that's in the core center of the brain. So Hippocampus? It might be in there, yeah. I knew, I knew a part of the brain. Woo! <laughs> so she made this analogy that the brain is like a library and all of your thinking is done on the crust of the brain, the outer part where the gray matter is. And ADHD and autism shows up in the crust. Like when you're looking at brain scans and you're looking for where brain activity is affected most and the neurodevelopmental pieces of the brain are focused in the, in the crust. Um, so if you are living in chronic fight or flight and have developed anxiety and depression, which is that dysregulation of the cerebellum and the thalamus and that, that core you know, alarm system center of the brain, it's basically like trying to think in a library with a jackhammer going off. And the jackhammer is representative of that core fight or flight where everything's a threat and your sensory input is all distorted or... You know, it does like your your nerves don't feel right, and you feel edgy, or you feel like you don't have enough energy in your body, or you're, you know, easily triggered by other people's words or, you know, thoughts and different things, other people's trauma. That's all a core disruption in your brain, and it prevents the crust part of your brain from actually functioning like it should because you're trying to you know, read and study in this library with this jackhammer. And over time, you can actually, that's how ADHD, I won't say autism, but how ADHD symptoms can form and start to create that neuro imprint and almost damage to the brain. So you can have those ADHD symptoms um, and not be born with ADD. Sorry, ADHD. Okay. Just so you know, sometimes when you when you go on those very well spoken explanatory uh, journeys with us, I lose you. <laughs> I know. So, I I try really hard. But I I think I understand what you're saying. So it's you're not a boob guy. I'm not. <laughs> right. All right. But it does mean that if you can quiet down the alarm centers, the threat centers of the brain and start to support the functions of the functionality of the brain that's creating that anxiety and depression in some people who, who have been experiencing that long enough to create the ADHD symptoms, those ADHD symptoms can actually be relieved. They can be supported. Like it's, it, the ADHD wiring and firing at that point hasn't become so severe that it's now like permanent. 
Okay. Which is really groundbreaking information. And where are you hearing this? From the psychiatrist that did this last medical review with my client. What's their name and what are their qualifications? <laughs> psychiatrist. That's all I'm going to say. Okay. Oh, this was someone, some doctor for a, through a person you know. Correct. Like I sat in oh, on the I medical review. About. I know everything now. Yeah. The I, audience is clueless. I have a client. Um, well, actually, she said I could be really transparent. So my sister was evaluated um, thoroughly. She did a full neuropsychiatric exam with, um, you know, multiple la- layers of testing. And as she re- received her evaluation and, and her treatment protocols, the doctor was explaining this, that she has chronic fight or flight she has diagnosable anxiety and depression, and she has ADHD symptoms, but it, it is not to the point where she has reached the diagnostic criteria because the, her brain hasn't been wiring and firing in this realm long enough, which means that if, so we're working to treat the anxiety and the depression and the alarm system part of the brain, quieting the jackhammer in her brain so that she can go back to cognitive thinking and processing and planning and executive function. It hasn't been disrupted long enough to become the diagnosable disorder, although she does have ADHD symptoms. Right, but it's just like me having OCD symptoms because it's a camouflage for other things. Well, this, is the, this isn't the camouflage of other things. What, the, what you're saying is when you use the OCD as coping mechanisms. As a crux, yeah. It's this is mechanism. the brain ultimately wiring and firing to develop ADHD. If she continued without treatment and... Um, so you're saying if she was like 50, she'd have ADHD? Probably. Okay. Yeah, she would have wired and fired her brain into that way. Yep. To the point where medication would actually help? Correct. All we right. caught it early enough um, that, that... This is the first I'm hearing this. You always tell me to save stuff for the podcast. I know. Half of our conversations, I get cut off. You're like, save it for the podcast. And I'm like, I'm not going to remember it. But I remembered it this time. Okay. So. Very interesting. But, I don't know what to say. But in terms of like hidden costs, now she is. Hidden fees, not costs. Sorry. Hidden fees. Um, now she's she's on that. She's in that experimentation. She's in the relief, grief, and burnout phase of the process which is highly experimental trying to figure out like um we know which areas of the brain for her are over functioning and under functioning and now she's she's going the nutritional route to um give her brain the nutrients that she needs to balance the the core processing centers so that the crust of her brain can function better and she can and the doctor said she's not sleeping and of course she's not sleeping her digestion is on and off and so the, the first thing they're trying to do is fix the sleeping. It's like the doctor said, if you can, you've got to start sleeping and I'm, I'm sleep. How do you just tell someone to sleep? <laughs> you don't. So you're on gabapentin. Yes. She is on um, clinical uh, therapeutic doses of actual GABA, the nutritional. When you say GABA, it sounds like something Declan would say, like when he couldn't understand. I know. G-A-B-A. I don't know. I've heard it expressed a couple different ways. But she's on L-tyrosine for depression. She's on the actual GABA plus the precursors that you need in order to, you know, make the GABA work. Um, and she's on uh, 
3,000 milligrams a day of omega-3 fatty acids, a high-quality dose. Um, I actually, she got, she got a couple of these from some of the companies that I work with because I have distributorships with these. So I like pharmaceutical grade um, omegas, which is really nice. Um, and then... Do those expire, those, those uh, fish oils? Because I think I've been taking expired fish oils. Um, there is a point where they're not as ef- as effective. But it says ex- it's. I think it said they expired. But I'm like, they gotta still be. They look fine. <laughs> well, I'm. I mean, anything that expires is still at least somewhat. It's a it's vitamin. Just, it's sketchy. How right. do you? How does a vitamin expire? Well, it depends on the potency and the process in which they use to create. Not all vitamins. Remember, um, not all vitamins are created equal, and many vitamins are not p- in pure form. And many companies use filler products. That. Um, well, yeah. I mean, I take gummy vitamins. Yeah, so there's definitely filler in there. But you know what? When I couldn't get you to remember to take pills, starting with a gummy vitamin, there's no shame in that. Yeah, Rochelle would just take a pill and stick it in a piece of hot dog and toss it up in the <laughs> air. And I'd eat it like an idiot. <laughs> Man, it's called creativity. That's right. Good boy. But the thing is, is even if you start on gummies to build the habit, while gummies is probably one of the the lesser effective delivery methods for especially if you need high quality therapeutic doses of vitamins if it's enough to get into your body to start creating the habit so you can start feeling a little bit better then it's worth it now they're a higher price right they're more expensive what gummies oh yeah considering the amount of milligrams that you'd actually get like you'd have to eat a ridiculous amount of gummies to uh i just take a handful at once yeah why not well, but and the cool thing about the gummies is that there can be fun and a little tasty. Oh, man, so I'm having a blast. You're getting a little bit of that dopamine in there. Like, oh, yeah, this is it doesn't feel as taxing Vitamin-y. as taking vitamins. Yeah. Yeah. I remember being a little kid and they had these um, gumballs that you could chew. Uh huh. And then I guess you knew that it was um, my mom's friend, this guy that was um, always really cool. He had like every video game for like Sega, mm-hmm. like he had every Atari game. He had like every video game for every system. Oh, so wow. we go and hang out at his house. And plus he was like super nice. So you like go to his house. He was a theater director. Dang. Okay. And anyway, so like anytime we would go visit him, he would always have some cool thing to like give me. Mm-hmm. And so he was like, here, um, uh, have you taken your vitamins today? And I said, nope. And he's like, here, have one of these. And it was like a gumball. Oh, wow. But it was uh, like, you know, like you would put a quarter into the machine and you would turn the knob and uh-huh. you get a gumball. So it just looked like a regular gumball. But he's like, no, but they're vitamins. Well, that's the thing is it's so the, by making it fun. When you chew it, like when the and he's like when the flavor's gone, you throw it in the trash. Dang. I've seen on Facebook knows that I, you know, spend a lot of time researching this kind of stuff. So they push all kinds of different products to me. And, you know, there's a bunch of people that have been trying to tackle how to get you the most nutrients in an easy to experience delivery method. So they have those little cubes, you know, that are full of vitamins and and I haven't, you know, I, I've, I have a, I'm beginning to believe that. um, You know what they need to do is make smokable vitamins. (laughs) Yeah. They could preserve that. Stick it right into my lungs. Um, There are so many, much like we talked about in the last episode, there are so many gene muta- there are gene mutations that can um, influence whether certain vitamins even work for you. Did you know that? Yeah, we talked about that last time. I thought. Well, that was medication. That was prescription anti-anxiety and depression. You were talking about no, but you were that 
you were saying something about methylated B and how like certain people need to take the methylated B. Correct. And then that's so, a vitamin. No, no, you're right. Booyah in your face. There's a company out there um, and I'm not supporting them anyway. I'm just in more of my research. I, um, a client of mine told me about a company called Routine and it's R-O-O-T-I-N-E. Why do they always come up with some stupid name where they can't spell it right? Because they're trying to do a play on root causes of gene expression. And so this DNA test tests for over 50 different gene expressions that can influence which vitamins work for you or don't. And then, and as I was researching that further today, I found that in addition to what um, Mark said last time about the SSRI and the SNRI. Oh, the w- or listener Mark. Mm-hmm, that there are also, the way, there could also be gene expression variations in L-tyrosine, which now matters to me because I n- understand that L-tyrosine is one of the nutrients we use for the thalamus, which um, nutritional psychiatrists can use to help with depression. And my sister is taking a pretty large dose of L-tyrosine and she just keeps saying it doesn't, she doesn't notice anything. And I said, I called her up today. I haven't talked to her in a couple of days because I've been sick. And I was like, did you know that there's a gene test for L-tyrosine and you might have a gene mutation that stops the L-tyrosine from working? She's like, hello, how are you? <laughs> Feeling better? Why do you sound so excited about it? I was super excited because Mark opened my eyes. Guess what? You're inefficient. <laughs> she said the same thing. Um, it's just, I knew that the, the 5-MTHFR was out there, but but Mark illuminated me that it is so much, that we've gotten so much smarter about some of these things. And it's incredibly important, you know, especially with it as an... English, especially if you're neurodivergent, because if we can't absorb and assimilate our basic nutritions, we can't feed our brain. We can't feed our immune system. We can't repair and maintain and activate our own cellular, you know, support network. And I firmly believe that everything starts at the physical and, and we talk about mental and emotional and, and everything. But if your physical is out of whack, it makes everything else more difficult. So here you are trying to combat executive function and organizational planning, and yet you may have super edgy nerves. I do have super edgy nerves. So it's but it's not because my place is dirty. You okay. said that you said that my my place being unkempt led to my edginess and I, my fight or flight or something. I think that the, your place being unkempt actually leads to your depression, not your anxiety. I don't think you have a problem looking at it all. I think it leads to your depression because... I think you, my depression leads to my place being unkempt. I think they co-trigger... It is not a cycle. I think they co-trigger each no, other. No, it is not a cycle. The lack of movement around you can contribute to things feeling stale and things feeling heavy and things not moving and it's part of that freeze cycle of the fight or flight system. And so if the physical things around you are not moving either and they're frozen in place, then you're just perpetuating that feeling. And your Fine. Brain, it's cyclical. It's cyclical. It's cyclical. I'm just saying, if you're looking for easy ways to help yourself feel better and when you don't have the, that's why I go back, if you don't have the physical energy to clean your house and make decisions, at least pick like a 12 by 12 12 inch by 12 inch i have a 12 spot. by 12 inch spot that's perfectly clean where it's right there on the floor no it wasn't i i swept your entire floor there wasn't a tw- there wasn't a one inch by one under inch my square. feet under my desk it's perfectly clean it's 12 <laughs> by 12 inches okay 
what other hidden fees have you seen? Um, I mean, I, I mean, or I gotta think about experience. it. I mean, the the work one is probably the biggest one, and we talked about that for a minute. But that's the part I'm having the hardest time with. I applied for a job. Also, like the hindrance of making more money. Well, no, it's no, it's the ability to. I'm not every fee necessarily relates to uh, money. Okay. Can be an emotional fee. That's that's huge. Yeah, go ahead. So going into, thank you. Um, so going into the the job that I've, I've been wanting to get, um, I uh, you know I applied for a position and didn't hear back for a month, and then they were like, "Great, we want to interview you." So I did the interview, that went well. Did a second interview. During the interview, they said that that went really well, and they said, "Well, you'll hear back from us within a week." Well, that was a week ago, last Thursday. Mm-hmm. So now it's Tuesday. We're recording, mm-hmm. and I still haven't heard anything back. On Friday, I sent an email to one of the recruiters asking. You know, like, and it's just like the, the fee there, it's like, oh my God, like you have no idea how much, like, even though I'm not even talking to the person, I'm just emailing them. I'm like, oh my God. Okay. What's, what would a normal person say? Right. <laughs> like, how do I get across that? I'm just trying to be appreciative of the opportunity and then also follow up, follow up and say, Hey, you know, I haven't heard anything. What's going on? All right. So, so you're talking about the emotional tax of that. Well, it just took a long time for me to figure out how to do it. So it takes me a lot longer than yeah. I would assume the average neurotypical person would take. Probably true. You know, it's it's just it's, it's the same thing like when I'm at work, um, like especially because I'm a manager, like how did that happen? But especially because I'm a manager, you know, like if I have to go and address someone, I like it stresses me out. Right. Like I have to go and like talk to someone and like about their behavior, just even not even something super negative, just to ask them a question. Uh-huh. And depending on the response, like the the one, you know, the the one girl that worked with me, uh, like every time I just would avoid talking to her. This is the super unapproachable one. Yes. Yeah. Because every time I would just I'd be like, hey, um, I just have a question, and I would just get I would just hear, ah. You know, like, I'm sorry for fucking bothering you right. as your boss, but um, I would never do that. Right. So then in the... And so then I just, you know, then my boss is like, why isn't this happening? And I'm like, because in my head, I'm like, because it requires me to talk to fuckhead. Right. And right. And she's going to be a dick about it. Right. And so then I just don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> and so I'm just like, I don't know how I've hung on as long as I have. It's... I'm clinging on to the end of my rope. Right. Well, and it is. I mean, so if then if you do brace yourself for the conversation and she replies with that snotty, you know, irritated attitude, then it's going to trigger your sense of um, rejection sensitivity, dysphoria. And then you've got to balance yourself back from that all day long. Right. Well, and then like making phone calls, you know, like there's a lady who there I can't get into it, but um there's a lady that there was an issue with an order and so it required me to call other customers to ask questions Mm -hmm. and so it was just you know it's like how come this isn't happening and in my head i'm just like because i don't want to do it like i can't do it right and then when i do it like obviously i'm able to do it because i've done it but it's like it's a challenge every single time yeah that's tough because you sometimes have to like reach into the future and and borrow tomorrow's energy and motivation and gumption to pull off something you have to do today. And then you get to tomorrow and you're like, ugh, 
now I'm depleted. Like you're extra depleted. Yeah. So that's, again, it's, you know, not to be too literal because I, I find that that's one of the problems I have. Like when I go to like um, being artistic, okay. not autistic. <laughs> right. Artistic. As a fun fact, my brother, when I was in middle school, it was bef- before I went to high school, my brother, my dad kept talking about the artistic program at the high school. Uh-huh. And my brother's like, look, bro, you're going to be in the autistic program. <laughs> and he thought it was hilarious. Little did he know how accurate he was. Oh, my goodness. It's amazing how that happens. Yeah. So Are you, you ta- going to read to us right now? Oh, sorry. You <laughs> did, I, did I, I spoil it? I am going to read to you, actually. Okay. Um, I I discovered this. I mean, this is a pretty. If you have, oh my gosh, English. Yeah. <laughs> but no, go ahead and hit some. Hit us with some Spanish. <laughs> Buenos dias. <clears throat> English. Lo siento. Um, when you're for for a lot of people starting out on the ADHD journey, one of the places they they start with is this book um, called ADHD. 2.0 or any of the books written by Dr. Hallowell and Dr. Rady. Um, these two physicians both have ADHD and have spent their clinical practice treating ADHD. So they're kind of considered the experts and they've written some of the early books starting back in like 1994. Um, I think it's called distraction or delivering from distraction, but, uh, oh, I think I have, I think I have that book. Right. And there, um, I bought that book on the marriage effect on ADHD, which is an, it's a great resource. I feel like it needs to be updated because it doesn't include anxiety and trauma. Driven to distraction? Driven to distraction. Yeah, I have that. Yeah. And so it was heavily quoted in that book. So I bought this one, which is their new one, ADHD 2.0, the new science and essential strategies for thriving with distraction from childhood through adulthood. And um, I was reading this book to Declan the other night because he couldn't sleep with COVID. It got him to sleep real Isn't fast. Isn't that fun that he's at the age that where you can re- you could read him like a package of toilet paper <laughs> if they had writing on it, and he would just be like, "Oh, this is fascinating." Yeah, it's great. He just he just wants to hear the repetitive, soothing sound of the voice. Actually, right. So I was reading this section on um, exquisite sensitivity to criticism or rejection. So I'm I'm going to read this little bit to you if you don't mind. Go for it. William Dodson, one of the smartest clinicians ever to write about ADHD, made famous... Wait a minute. Isn't that the dude that I met with? Uh Uh-huh. Okay. Yep. You're a doctor. All right. Uh, Made famous the term rejection sensitivity dysphoria, or RSD, which describes a tendency on the part of people who have ADHD to overreact precipitously and disastrously to even the slightest perceived put down, dis, or vaguely negative remark. Okay. Yeah. They can spiral down to the depths in the blink of an eye and become inconsolable. <clears throat> Here's what I did not know. On the other hand, because there's always another hand in this syndrome, so characterized by pairs of opposite symptoms, we've coined another term to describe the opposite of RSD. It is recognition sensitive euphoria. Oh, I thought you were going to say RBDS. No, or RSE. So when I misspoke episodes ago, turns out I wasn't wrong. I just was wrong in how I said it, which refers to... I wasn't done with my joke. Oh, sorry. No, it doesn't matter anymore. Really big dick syndrome. Oh, (laughs) right. Which refers to our enhanced ability to make constructive use of praise, affirmation, and encouragement. 
As much as we can get down in the dumps over minute criticism, we can fly high and put to great use even small bits of encouragement or recognition. So I know RSD is something you battle with a lot. I do. How do you respond to RSE, recognition-sensitive euphoria? How do you respond? So you're saying that people with ADHD feel praise more than other people? Um, we can fly high and put great put to great use even small bits of encouragement or recognition. Okay, maybe that's true. So if someone's like, hey, you're doing a really good job on this. Yeah, I don't hear that very often. Okay, so that's true, and I believe that's part of the problem, is that you don't hear that enough. So you're That's one of the reasons like comedy was like doing stand up was really good. Oh, the laughing because piece. it's immediate feedback okay well that's and you're that, probably trying to balance out your rsd by adding more rse into your life that's right look at that i need more rse you do and i'm and i, I a lot of us do actually i um posted what, is, what does it mean again rse what does it stand for rejection sensitivity euphoria no that's not what it was yeah it was rejection no. sensitivity euphoria uh-huh yeah so like dis- I thought, no i thought it was something else no uh-uh uh, right here. Let me read this. Right there, that top page. And while you're doing that, like one of the things that we hear a lot from Declan's therapist is the use of positive reinforcement. So everything that's really little, they call him out for in a way, in a positive way. Recognition sensitive euphoria. Ding dong. What did I say? You said rejection sensitivity oh. to euphoria. That didn't make any sense. Yeah, well, that's I'm sick still. I'm recognition sorry. sensitive euphoria. Recognition. There sensitive. we go. I knew I heard it. <laughs> different thing. I'm sorry. I'm like, how can you have right re- rejection sensitivity? Hey, that's that's when you're like really into dirt. Like, call me names. <laughs> that's just I have spank me and tell me I'm naughty. Yeah, that's fair. I I've just spent too many time too much. The word recall neuropathway that's some like bdsm shit right there the rejection sensitivity euphoria yeah that's not what i meant at all um get on stage i'm gonna have to re-remember i'm gonna have to relearn a whole new word now because my brain just automatically says rejection sensitivity without even thinking about it it's become a habit yeah bad habit so um there are 50 ways that you can encourage a child yourself a spouse a coworker, whatever um thumbs up you're on the right track now. You've worked so hard on that. I've heard you say how you feel. That's great. Are you going to read all 50? Do you want me to? No. Have you heard any of these? Like, do people say any of this kind of stuff to you? Nobody, nobody, um, I don't get praised. I praise you. And now I'll say that when I do it, you don't often believe me. Okay. Like, hey, good job on that. You're like, yeah. Well, then I guess my rejection sensitivity euphoria hasn't kicked in. Well, it could What's be it called again. Something sensitive <laughs> euphoria. Recognition. Recognition sensitive. I got a recognition sensitive euphoria. Oh, but you know what? Maybe that's the whole euphoria. problem. Is maybe you're rejecting the positivity that's coming through because you just automatically expect it to be Hi-ya! negative. That's right. I karate chop it away. Look at that. You probably do. Maybe. Maybe because you don't. Maybe you don't have the ability to recognize praise because you do receive so little of it now your brain just that fight or flight part of your brain that core cerebellum you know the amygdala everything is just like everything that comes at you is probably a threat so ah 
And you don't even filter in whether it's actually positive or not. Maybe that's true. So that seems to me that knowing about... Re- well, I do think like sometimes people will say things to compliment you um, out of... Like maliciously? No, not to maliciously, but out of... Um, what's the word I'm looking obligation? for? Yes, obligation. Okay. Obligation for what, though? Like to get something out of you or just because you're like, oh, this is just what you well, say. Well, like for Thanks. instance, like one of the guys at work, he'll he'll do, uh, he'll capture a bunch of media, uh-huh. like a like a larger amount than normal, and so I'll I'll give him a heads up and just say, hey, great job. Uh-huh. But he never says anything. But he doesn't have to say anything. It, what we, what I would hope is that he actually heard it and that over time of hearing it enough, he starts to believe it, like. Declan's therapist will even if he goes to get in the car and I say, here, buddy, jump in the car and he gets right in the car. She says, great listening, Declan. Good job. Great hand holding. Like he's supposed to hold her hand to walk to the car because you know how he likes to run through the parking lot. I have have a hard time with that. Like I I do say good job to him, especially when he's doing a really good job at something like going potty or. Right. But if you hang out with these therapists. I know, but that that's their job and and it i mean and so it's hard to like rewire your brain to do it for ev- like do you suppose you're supposed to do it for everything everything nice right step nice left step nice no, right not step, quite nice like that step. but but you you can say like hey good job getting up the stairs it, it is and it is something that you have to practice you have to because your brain is not fired and wired this way your brain is fine that's when i have told you in the past that you've been nitpicked to death you have been and everything you nitpick no i try and make decisions so we can move on I, I try and move the energy around us so we can you can bring in the things you want like um but if you're constantly being corrected like sit up straight or you know put your feet down or remember to take out the trash or do this or you didn't do that i mean you're just constantly being nitpicked on little things and you know then there's that part of your brain that can never settle and feel calm and in control then you're going to start listening with this filter that everything coming at you is some sort of either threat or something you're going to have to react to or, you know, swat away. I mean, that's your, that's the, that's a neural pathway of, um, reflect, uh, not reflection of, um, oh, I just lost the word. You're deflecting. Okay. If you're constantly deflecting everything that's coming at you, do you know what, how that impacts you in other ways? I feel like you're going to tell me. It makes the art of reflection feel like a threat. So what, when I, when I look at myself? All you're going to see is the negative because you're so used to deflecting the negative that you, the art of reflection is no longer a positive experience for you. So you're going to avoid reflection and resort to deflection because that's the skill you've fired and wired your brain to do. Great. I, I get it now. Having this conversation with you, I, I finally understand. I have complimented you many times in the years we've been together and you just look at me like, like you think I'm saying it to either get something out of you or out of obligation and I don't mean it. And you've always told me that I don't believe what I'm saying. And I was like, I absolutely do. Like I'd say, oh, you, for example, your ukulele. Well, like 
when you were first starting to learn the ukulele, how long did you give yourself in your mind before you expected yourself to be able to play it beautifully, perfectly, without mistakes? Immediately. <laughs> right. So like 30 minutes. If that. Qu- right. I wanted, to, I wanted to be able to play it immediately. To pick it up. Doesn't look that fucking hard. <laughs> But the way, do you remember the things you would say to yourself while you were learning? Yeah, like in my head and outside of my head. No, I'm a fucking idiot. How am I not being able to do this? This is so fucking stupid. Yeah. How do you think your body responded when that's how you heard yourself respond to learning? I literally have gotten to the point in my brain where I will, if if something negative, if I say something negative to myself, that I apologize to myself. (laughs) That's good. That's an improvement. yeah it's it's what crazy people do okay but now that you can acknowledge that you have a punishment apologetic cycle apologizing to yourself for a comment to yourself is like the these two people that i knew in college uh-huh. where they would sneeze and say bless me they would uh, they would sneeze and then go god bless me god bless me <laughs> and i'm like i don't sneeze and go gesundheit no but you go you fucking idiot oh i'm sorry that's what you do yeah, pretty much. Okay, so you've created a self-punishment, self-apologetic cycle. Where's the reward in there? Where are you ever s- rewarding yourself? That's private. That oh. <laughs> 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 Okay, dopamine. Where else are you rewarding yourself? Is that like with, do you use food at that point? Is that where you're like buying extra sugar stuff or? I don't, but like, the thing is I don't think about sugar like i don't think about like those things as rewards okay but what do you think about as reward like how do you how do you congratulate yourself for a job well done like you got through the day and you're like yeah go go me i don't know i just feel good okay and then do you acknowledge that you feel good if i do if I do feel good, then I do acknowledge it. I'm like, ah, oh, this feels so pretty good. So you have a sluggish... It felt great after, like, for instance, after that second interview. Yeah. But then that all went away after it took forever and I never heard anything back and I still haven't. I know. I mean, I'm on the edge so of the my seat the positivity that. of that instance, that's what makes it hard because then the next time something positive happens, it's like, all right, well, hold your horses. Right. So you don't, so you don't feel... Okay. I re- I'm reserving the reward for an at, for a time when I can actually feel like I deserve uh, to be you have a lack mentality when it comes to reward what is that that's not going to serve you my friend what's a lack mentality a lack mentality means you focus on what you don't have instead of what you do have which is only going to bring more lack so instead of finding so like I have that gratitude practice which is an abundant mentality so i'm always thinking of the things i already have um and i'm not focused on what i don't have i'm focused on what i do have and so when the more i'm not sitting there focusing on all the things i don't have i don't it's care just about like things, if i it's if feelings. You, but if you have an interview like and it and it goes well and you don't hear anything back like you're gonna have negative feelings about it i'm not gonna go i'm not being specific to just this inner i'm glad i have a nice toilet to sit on no, no, but it, you know, the, it seems unrelated, but they actually are related. The point is, is that you said that you're going to space out your optimism and your ability to feel really good about it because you're waiting for an answer on the interview. But what I'm saying, and that's a lack mentality, what I'm saying is you had an abundant mentality, you would say, well, I feel good about that interview. 
and I'm going to feel good about it while I'm waiting and waiting doesn't feel good. I'm saying separate and apart from waiting for the answer. Now you're going to find other things to continue feeling good about in between. That's what I'm talking about. But you probably have a sluggish recognition system when it comes to praise and affirmation and things that feel positive because you're not you're not accustomed to feeling a lot of positivity coming in. So for you, it's got to be like a really big jolt of positivity to really feel it. And then you, you're afraid it's going to go away. So you, you know, don't allow yourself to get too excited so that it doesn't feel too horrible when it goes away. I'm saying feed yourself a little bit of that every day, all day. Improve your recognition. How do I do that? Well, to improve your recognition system for positivity and, and affirmations, according to the, these two experts, as an ADHD brain, Blake, you are actually more um, neurologically wired to give yourself this or to, uh, to experience this skill than I am. You just got to flip the wiring in your brain. You just got to flip from the negative to the positive. I don't say that lightheartedly, but... What are the little things you can do that are, I mean, there's scales of everything, right? I'm asking you that. Getting a job is a really high level change. So yes, it is. the euphoria that came from those two very positive back-to-back interviews is on that high level. What we're looking for is the smaller day-to-day things. Like I wouldn't say, hey, good holding my hand to walk to the car, but I would be like, hey, good job getting on, get to Um, good job getting to work on time or hey good meal planning today you know use the little things that you're doing every single day and doing well hey look at me playing really well with my son today I mean you do that so naturally every one of those moments you being natural you deserve that same internal affirmation and reward I feel like we're in a shampoo commercial you be the natural you oh well <clears throat> we should be under a rain uh, in a rainforest next to a waterfall. <laughs> Herbal essence. That's right. I'm just um, I'm learning a lot from Declan's therapist, and it's like, oh, hey, good listening to mom. Or I, ha- I mean, we have to have conversations about who's going to buckle his car seat, you know, s- chest snap. And he goes, I want to do it, mom. I go, okay, you do it. Uh, thanks, and I and I have to tell him thanks for good job telling me, Declan. Like good job expressing that to me. <laughs> On all the little things, because in behavior, we get the behavior that we put the most into. So if you want more positive behavior, then you acknowledge the positive behavior. We're supposed to actually ignore the negative behavior that we don't want so that it it takes the focus off of your brain. So your brain stops wiring and firing it. But that's not easy to do when you're wired and fired into the threat response like you are. You've got a fight or flight dominant brain does not mean you have to always have a fight or flight dominant brain though you don't okay i'm trying not to have one i'm doing my best damn it you are no and you are doing really well actually i think coming on this podcast every single um episode and that's right i'm so brave (laughs) you are should have a little cape you should and i'm not saying like I a think big ass A on it. 
I think anytime you expose yourself to the vulnerability of these conversations and then record it and publish it and push it out, you are, you know, sharing some really personal experiences. And that's a that's brave. And not only that, it's brave to continue every day and say, I work within these constraints of how my brain has functioned and I'm trying to change my daily life so that my brain functions differently going forward and that takes a lot of effort and dedication and that's brave and you do that every day you actually started this conversation by saying you have vitamins that you take and I mean four years ago you only would have thrown the bottle of vitamins at me you never would have actually taken them what are you talking about never take like your multivitamin your centrum you would take but like to actually take other vitamins and, and trying to build it into a routine, that's huge. Thanks for noticing. I notice. Um, what other fees do you feel like come? I mean, aside from the very expensive cost of medication for ADHD and the constant experimentation of combinations of anxiety and depression and ADHD medication, what else do you feel like? I don't know. Like, I, I mean, off the top of my head, I think I've covered everything that I thought about when I, I wrote would, the topic down. I feel like sleep is an area where you, you guys, in, where you end up spending a lot more time and resources also. It's more expensive to try and get your sleep figured out. Like emotionally expensive? I think it's both emotionally and financially expensive because sleep disruption can come from so many different sources and trying to figure out what your specific source is. I, I started to say earlier, food because of the chemical sensitivity that you have to gluten and sugar and dairy. Allegedly. <clears throat> oh, no, no, no. So we talked about methylation last time. Yes, we did. The lack, so DNA methylation um, and gene methylation, or not, that's not the right word, cellular methylation for different vitamins. Um, if you do not methylate your B vitamins, it can have an impact in your ability to detox and eliminate your inflammation in your body. So, um, it can also have a, an impact to your histamine production. So like it's really common that there's, um, chronic allergy issues with people with a 5-MTHFR gene mutation when there's a high probability that the 5-MT5, it's called the 5-motherfucker. That's what it's called. It's called the motherfucker gene because it's the 5-MTHFR. There, I got it. It disrupts your histamine production. So I can tell you, I spend a fortune on allergy medication. Well, that drills set you got there, I would imagine you'd have to. <laughs> Thanks. You're welcome. As opposed to skill set, strill set. I have a strill set. That's right. Yeah. Um, I feel like we've covered a lot and it's already been about an hour. Mm. Um, can we go into Pop Minute? Sure. I don't really have a whole lot of stuff to cover today just because we just did an episode and we're only on Tuesday through the week. So not a ton of shit has happened. So I don't really have a lot of news minute stuff. There were things in the news that popped up. I just don't really want to cover them just because it was all depressing and I'm not trying to bum everyone out at the end of the episode. However, the two pop minute things are not really positive either. Oh, no. So uh, first bit of pop minute is uh, some sad news. Uh, Olivia Newton-John passed away. Yeah, very sad. Uh, one of the stars of Greece, as many people know. She was a uh, the age of 73. 
Wow, that's actually decently young. Yeah, um, it's uh, and I don't recall the reason. I don't know if she just. I don't remember reading that either, actually. And she was, um, was she? I know Greece, but didn't she do a few things later on in life? Xanadu. That's right. Yeah, she uh, she died of Xanadu. <laughs> Uh, it, oh, it looks like she might have had cancer. Oh, I didn't know that. Something like that. Okay. Yeah. But, um, man, I had like, uh, I mean, anyone that watched Grease had to have had like a little bit of a crush on Olivia Newton-John back in the day. I mean, she's iconic. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and she was also a pop singer. Oh, I didn't know that. She sang country, I thought. Um, oh, she was Australian. Was she really? Yeah. That one I knew. Oh, look at that. Interesting. Um, let's see. Best songs ever. Never heard of that. Never heard of that. Not that. No. No. <laughs> no. So she's best known for Grease. Xanadu. Oh, and then it just shows. Oh, Physical. That's that's the song I was trying to think of. Let's get physical. Oh, physical. that's her? Yeah. I didn't know that. Um. It looks like it was a uh, yeah, number one hit, and then um, of course she's she's got to be most mostly famous for Grace because that's what I know her from. Right. Um, and then uh, I don't. Did you hear about what happened to Anne Hache? No. She's in a car crash. She's currently in a coma. No way. You know who Anne Hache is? I right? do absolutely. Yeah. She was the most famous for being uh, for being well. For dating Ellen DeGeneres, I guess at one point. Right, she was the one that played opposite Harrison Ford in that um, Seven Days or Seven Nights thing. That seven, that terrible movie. Yeah, um, yeah, that's her. Yeah. yeah. Oh my God. Uh, she's also in John Q. Right. So, she's uh, still she's in critical condition. I'll read what it, uh, I read on CNN. She has a significant pulmonary injury requiring mechanical ventilation and burns that require surgical intervention. Oh, she man. is currently being treated at the Grossman Burn Center. Now, however, listen to this. Earlier on Monday, which was yesterday, CNN reported that Hayesh is under investigation for misdemeanor DUI and hit and run. What? Yeah, according to LAPD officer Annie Hernandez. Investigators obtained a warrant for a blood draw on the day of the incident, which I didn't... Um, I'd have to go back and look and see what date it was, but they are still awaiting those results. Hernandez said once the inv investigation is complete, the case will be referred to the LA city attorney's office. Man, that's, that's a bad day. Yeah. So Holy cow. we'll see what happens there, but that's all I really have for pop minute. Unfortunately, it's so negative. Well, yeah, there's a lot. So what, so what we need to do is continue to search for the things that help you feel good. Like we it, now that you know that there's the RSE pathway, especially since we have such a high rate of um, of listeners with ADHD, your brain is already, you know, acclimated to receive that positivity, and it could, and the little bit of positivity could go a very, very long way. So, you know. Maybe that's what we need to focus on is more RSC uh, inputs <laughs> to kind of help us because it just seems like every week the news and even the pop culture stuff is getting harder and harder. It's just d denser and 
One of the other things I read too, just now that I'm just kind of looking at the website real quick, just to why why not? It's the middle of the day. We both have COVID. Let's let's give the people what they want, which is more pop minute. <laughs> <laughs> but um, Hamilton team responds to Texas church's unauthorized performance. Apparently, a church in Texas, mm-hmm. the Door Church did two performances of Hamilton, unauthorized performances of Hamilton, while including uh, scripture. Oh. In like as interstitials in the uh, Using Hamilton music? No, like they performed the show. Right. And then in between performances, you know, in between the show, they were doing... here, let's see what it says. Bible, but that's what I mean. Like they I were, they were using, it. they were, they were performing Hamilton, like uh, the play, Lin Manuel Miranda's version. Well, that's the only version there is. Okay. I'm saying, but in between parts of the show, right? They, they were doing they spliced in religious scripture. scripture. Okay. Part of that religious scripture was them comparing homosexuality to drug addiction. What? Yeah. I was like, what? I'll read what it, here. Let me. This is a super long article. I don't want to get into the whole thing. Clearly, the LGBTQ. I feel like I'm never saying that right. It makes me hungry because it sounds like BLT. <laughs> okay. So I always just picture a sandwich when I think of the the gay community. Okay. Or the LGBTQ community because it just sounds delicious. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm not kidding. They should have a an LGBTQLT sandwich at some kind of like. Uh, you know, some like little hole in the wall restaurant. As in LA. long as it does so in you know praise and positivity. No, yeah, like yeah. it could be like rainbow bread. And there's a lot of positive, yeah. And just lots of bacon. And lots of bacon. Let's gay it up. Yep. Um. Anyway, so they there were like that's re- that is like so wrong on so many levels, right? Like you're taking you're not supposed to take a play without paying for it right especially you know like i don't know how that it's like works reproduction rights or something reproduction rights that's not the right word but like because that's to, to you're talking about it. like abortion or something. no i don't mean i don't mean physical human it's called unauthorized staging oh okay well uh says officials behind the musical were not aware of the unauthorized staging until the day after the church's first of two scheduled performances and then they sent a cease and desist letter mm-hmm. um it's in south texas Okay. Which is kind of funny because I'm curious. Like I don't want to, um, like I, I don't want to go into super great detail because this is a really long article. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just funny that there that show is is kind of not. I mean it's 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 not made to be. Um, I can't imagine taking that show and then being like using it for like religious purposes, like twisting it. No, it's in historical. A way to show well, but it's also a pop. I mean, it's got like rap music. So I'm curious. I would be curious to see what a church's take on that show would be with like all the like because there's cussing in there, and there's like sexual innuendo, right, and all that kind of stuff. And the fact that they're using hip hop, like I just don't see a church being. It's just weird. Like you're trying to take something cool. Mm-hmm. And then using it and twisting. I mean, the church, th- th- they do that in such a, It's. Cl- I mean, it's clever. You have to kind of hand it to them. I thought the use of blending hip hop with history was really clever. I think it, it doesn't feel. I'm just saying stealing something like that, like a popular thing like Hamilton, and then trying to bend it to your will. Yeah, that's just wrong. It's kind of like when uh, when Christian rock bands started becoming a thing. Uh-huh. 
and like you're taking this music that is inherently not like religious right and like trying to be like oh instead of doing like old school hymns we're gonna do like pop music maybe that to try and draw people in so you know it's interesting we've segued to this little comparison but maybe that's how i just can't help but going back to the rsd versus rse conversation and thinking that we're not thematically talking about the same thing like you know rsd for example what does it have to do with the play being well because you're talking about blending two very opposite contrasting positions right and, and so um rsd and rse are exact contrasts of each other they're they're opposites and so it just feels thematically you know like that same parallel so the practice of integrating rse might feel as um is it disrupted is the right word but it just might feel as like incoherent as as combining you know hip-hop and history or at least it was before lin-manuel did it and did it so dang well (laughs) So dang well. You can swear on this show. It's okay. <clears throat> Maybe, but I'm struggling to speak, so I'll just stick with the words I can just enunciate. say dang. Yeah. All right. I think that does it for us this week. Again, remember to check out the website and you can email us on the website. If you have any you can email us on the Facebook group, join the Facebook group, join the conversation. You don't sound autistic, why do you say? But you can go to you don't sound autistic dot com, check out the website. And you can see um, as uh, the days progress, Rochelle will go through and uh, she updates the uh, the website with uh, notes from the shows. So if you want to go back and refer to those, also anything that we're referencing on the show, we try to uh, put up there. So the few books that we mentioned, you know, um, links to resources, check all that stuff. And, and, and if you do it through the website, it actually really helps us out, kind of helps to keep the lights on so we can keep the show going. Um, because we do make a little bit of, you know, we'll make a little bit of money from that. Right. As opposed to just going through your regular Amazon and looking for it, you know, through there, look through the website first. Yeah, please. Then, uh, go and buy all your stuff. Yeah. And then, uh, that helps us out. So we, and we appreciate that. So thank you so much for listening. Uh, we wanted to do a little bonus episode this week, um, just because we're both sick. So we figured, you know, um, we would, we're coherent enough. Yeah, that we'd be able to, uh, you know, get another episode out there for you to listen to. To Um, say thank you for being patient in the interim. Absolutely. Thank you so much. And um, my name is Blake. My name is Rochelle. And we'll be back. 